Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Jim McRae and I'm chatting with director Tom Sullivan about his really powerful Irish language period drama, Arocked. So um, the title means monster. You have a really, really powerfully and very well-written protagonist and then a really great antagonist set in probably one of the most dramatic points of Irish history um, during the, the famine. So it's a, it's a fabulous film um, to watch. It's it's incredibly, as I said, powerful, but just so gripping, so tense, so emotional. Uh, and it just like that, it's on par. I know we were talking about this very briefly, but it's on par with anything that I've seen coming into Hollywood since in the cinema of late. So wow, that's thanks. It's just stunning. So I will just get into it. And I was just wondering if you could maybe describe the story in your own words. Yeah, um, so Arak is about a man called Coleman Sharkey who lives in, in, on the west coast of Ireland in the 1840s and he has a young family and uh, he's part of a fishing community um, and we meet him around just before the first rot, the first blight hits the, the, the crops, the potato crops. It's kind of the late summer Um and he, Coleman, is the kind of guy who he's very able and capable individual. And his family, his father would have had a relationship with the local landlord. Um, um, and he he brews puchin. He's um he's he's a bit of an entrepreneur, and uh, has probably ideas about himself. So when this happens, he he almost has a sixth sense that this is different. I mean, there there had been famines before, or not? Sorry, there had been blights before, and there had been hunger before and shortages but he has some he knows he feels it in his water that there's there's something wrong um and so he goes to the local landlord um to plead leniency for the rental hikes that they started to initiate around about the time um and uh when he goes up there he thinks one thing is going to happen but he brings a dark character with him um, who, who he doesn't realize his dark history and something terrible happens, which basically puts Coleman in a situation where he is on the run and he's unable to protect his family at, in the worst time, in the worst time possible. Uh, and then we jump two years later and he has isolated himself on an island because obviously he's on the run um, and he's lost everything and he's living a feral life. Um and the heart of the film really starts to happen when he encounters a young girl called Kitty who is struggling and, and ill and she's a real fighter and she teaches him how to live again. So that's so, kind of the movie in a, in a nutshell. And it's again, it's, it's a very powerful story and it's, it's just beautifully told um, visually and character wise, narratively speaking. Um, it's told through the Irish language for the most part, we have a few dodgy English characters, but like, <laughs> I don't actually give too much away when I'm giving the kind of spoiler bit of, of the plot. But um, yeah, it's it's not say a traditional Irish film that you would have that you would have seen. And again, it, it kind of was born of different roots. So it was um, TG Catter funded with Screen Ireland and the BI coming on board. But could you tell me a little bit about um, developing that script? Yeah, so um, the, the the Cine Cahar scheme that they set up, we were the first out of the block. So um, and doing well as our 
Oscar, yeah. <laughs> like talk about a Our great pilot. Sinky, which is a really, yeah. a really interesting film that came out alongside us, but hasn't had the the look or the whatever that we've had. Um, I didn't get a release. Um, but it's a really interesting film. Um, made by Dahi Keen, um, who's directing Smother now, the the TV show. But he, um, and actually, my main protagonist plays the lead in the other one. My na- main antagonist, sorry, uh, Dara Devani. But anyway, um, the scheme, yeah, basically the scheme provides funding for uh, a completed script very early on. So uh, you submit a a treatment and very early on. What level of a treatment? So is it the 11th? The treatment, I think the initial treatment that they were looking for. Actually, I can't remember. I've done a few since then and I'm mixing them all up in my head. I think I think it was like a six to ten pages, actually. That was the treatment. So it wasn't huge, um, about normal. Um, and based on the treatment, they give you the funding. So um, they picked five. They pick five and they fund five. And this is for the development stage stage for you to, yeah, to develop the script first. into a feature. And um, and then they pick two of those five to green light and once you're greenlit you 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 know you've got 1.2 million um you know that's there which is kind of amazing because you know with normal normally with films um the, the work only starts when you've written the script and you know even if it's a great script you still have so much of an uphill struggle to get it funded but this is a producer's dream really because it kind of landed on it lands on your lap the money is there I suppose as well, there's no kind of ability to go, okay, well, definitely I'm going to go get co-production funding from the Nordics. No, you don't have to do any of that, you know. But then again, you know, that 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 can be a hindrance because, you know, if you have a wonderful script and you've attached a good cast, then you might be in a situation where you could get more money, but the, the scheme prohibits that and, and, and caps it at 1.2, which I can see the reasons for that. Because, I mean, once you start to try and bring in further funding, it, it tends to delay. And what they were... What they really want to do is to get films out. So if you cap it at 1.2, it makes things simpler. Um, and, you know, you write your scripts to fit. You cut your cloth to measure. And um, that's what we, well, I didn't. I wrote it. I, Arrow was originally a film that really needed probably about 15 million quid to make. But uh, but that was my, you know, the way they say you should never, you should never write your low budget film. You should write your big budget film and then tweak it down, you know. Um, so that's what we did. So. And just just to just kind of go back to the development process. So you in the scheme, I presume you went through a number of drafts. Who are the people, say, giving the notes at, at stage one? Is it a script developer or is it at the BAI, Screen Ireland and TG Carr on a panel? We, yeah, when we start, the, the, the thing, the, the, the scheme has evolved. So I don't know how they're doing it now because this was three years ago and they've already They've had another, I'd say, eight films um, developed now, not shot because of COVID and everything. I think there's about four in total, maybe six in total that that have been actually shot. Um, But at the time, um, in terms of development, they were very respectful and um, supportive, but very not hands on, really. Um, And uh, so I found that great. And I I got... um, Actually, after we were greenlit, I requested that we use some of the budget to to bring Marco Halloran in to 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 script edit, which was unusual because people were saying you're greenlit. Why are you bringing a script? Uh, why are you bringing a, a script editor in at this point? 
but I just because I was directing, I I'm just so aware of of the script has to be, you know, watertight, particularly on a low budget film. So Mark came in and like Mark's style is more, you know, suggestive and um he, you know, very much about the cutting and very much about the cutting away the fat and losing stuff that you don't need and stuff that might flag or lag, you know, stuff that might lag in the, in, in the narrative. So that was really helpful. So we had a 90 page script going to, going, going to script, going to, uh, going to shoot. And then budget started to encroach, you know, it was like, okay, you can't do that. And you can't do that. And if you want that, you need that. You want that, blah, blah. And then it turned into a 75 page script. Um, so I reckon 75 page script in the end, but in a weird way, I think it, it helped, it kind of, it distills the film down to something very raw and flinty and, and kind of authentic in a, in, a, in a strange way. It just suits it. I mean, if Arlt had been set in a, in a, in a, in a high rise um, corporate rich, uh, you know, world where you want glitz and glam, it probably would have hindered us greatly, but because it was set in the 1840s and it was a poor time. I think the film being, in a way, not that the film is poor, but the film being basic. And I think it just, I think it, it all lends to it, you know? Yeah, but it is a period piece and they do go to a pretty extravagant place here and there. And there's a lot of problems. No, it doesn't look cheap. <laughs> like, let me, let me, I mean, it is. It, yeah. looks, it doesn't look like a, a low budget film and it doesn't feel like one. It feels like a big film. Um, absolutely. But that's credit to... Um, Kate McCullough and Donald's incredible performance and um, Sasha's incredible performance and Dara Devani's performance. And yeah, it's got a lot of talent in there. There's a lot of heavy hitters that are um, knocking it out of the park. Uh, and I think that's why it works. Uh, and of course, the script wasn't bad either. Yeah, the script wasn't bad and the direction was great. Well, the director didn't get in anybody's <laughs> way. You know, I think that's... <laughs> So you're uh, you're probably very empathetic to actors, seeing as that's your own route in the past of yes, that's your own job. So you're familiar with the requirements. Of oh the yeah, role. I think it's been um, it's funny. Like when 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 the, when I started to kind of move away from the acting, um, I first I I I had this awful feeling. Like, did you just waste 15 years of your life there? You know, doing something that you're not gonna. Because, you know, you invest in something and you think this is going to be it for the rest of your life. And then suddenly you start to move away and it's like, uh, OK, what's that about? But then thankfully, and like, I suppose what's wonderful about what I did was it, to use corporate um, team building language. I pivoted, you know, I pivoted in what I was doing and was able to use everything that I learned as an actor um, to direct and to write. Um, all those scripts I read over the years, the great ones and the bad ones and and all those wonderful um, other directors I've worked with and all the bad, bad ones too. And knowing what not to say and, and, and knowing what doesn't work. Um, I think it was an apprenticeship and uh, I think it serves me well now, you know. I always say it's like, I always say actors make the best um, writers because they have a deep understanding of character. And that's yeah, why, I, that is the heart. And of also, I think, also, I think, you know, uh, I'm very, I'm very aware when I'm writing, uh, I'm very aware of actors reading scripts and I'm very aware I'm that, you know, <laughs> but it's not good enough to write great lead parts. You also have to gr- write great small parts um, because 
Um, also, I, also, I think I have a knowledge of trying to remember lines. And, and I think that that is really, <laughs> weirdly enough, right in dialogue. I often used to find that if I, I, I would have problems remembering scenes or lines, and it was usually because it was bad writing. Your brain doesn't remember bad writing as quickly as good writing. It's kind of, it's a very basic thing. If the writing is flowing and it feels real, then it'll work because it makes sense. Um, but if the writing is bad and khaki, then you have to remember it like remembering abstract things. So I think in that when, when I'm when I'm when I'm writing for the screen, uh, I have a natural uh, I have a natural editing system where I, I it has to flow. Uh, and I and I hope I don't know, you can ask the actors, but I don't think they had any problems uh, remembering what I'd written. And also I try and write. I try and pull out dialogue all the time because I know it is a visual medium and, um, you know, we don't need a lot of words a lot of the time. Actors could do it for you without it, you know, so. Well, there was, I did definitely concur. And if anyone is listening, I, as a viewer, definitely concur because there was just moments um, that I thought, you know, like it was such a serious time. And I do think like the tendency with period drama is to go very melodramatic and serious but there were these beautiful human moments um between like the I think the lead character and Coleman and his uh, partner and his wife and they were just really lovely and truthful um yeah actually and watching them made me realize this you don't actually get this that often in that genre like everything is heightened and I love you darling you're the sun and the moon instead of these very warm earthy natural conversations that you'd have with your actual partner and I, I twigged that watching that going oh my god that's great writing <laughs> yeah I I'll tell you where that comes from I'll tell you where that comes from it's really nice you picked up on that I mean um and because and somebody asked me recently you know somebody was writing a script and they were saying how did you write in um how did you find writing in what's that called reserve pronunciation or whatever the the British thing the you know, the landlord scenes and stuff. How did you find writing that? How did you, where did you go to research the way they speak and everything? And to be honest with you, when I write my first drafts, I don't try and write in anybody's voice other than my own. And when I wrote characters, when I wrote those, that couple in 1840, I was thinking of two Dublin people talking. I was like, because that's where I'm from. And then when I have that, then I tweak it then afterwards in the redrafts to say okay they wouldn't say that or they wouldn't say that then or but the basic the basic flow of 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 their relationship and the language is based on my relationship with with my missus or you know um yeah there was there was lots of stuff that never ended up in it but like a lot of dublinisms ended up in there but you know but then i've covered them up you know when i say dublinisms (laughs) i mean irish the way we talk to each other and i think yeah i think that gives a it gives a it gives some it, it gives an authenticity to, to to the characters. Um I don't know if people said things like that back then, but but I think us viewing it now go, yeah, that seems real to me. I they seem real to me. That that's something you would say to your husband if he was taking somebody up to the landlord's house, you'd say, You're bringing him with you. You know, are you sure about that? Um, you know, why are you worried? You know, that like it's that natural flow of language. Um, you know. You know, it's funny, I wrote a line today, I'm writing a script at the moment, um, and it's set in 1870 in Glasgow, you know, and one of the characters turns to the other one and and he's, he's after building something and it's kind of the end of the film and she's like, she's trying to tell him to, you know, should he, you know, cheer up or whatever, or 
She goes, are you not happy? Can you not enjoy this moment? And he goes, I am enjoying it. And she goes, well, you, somebody should tell your, or you should tell your face, right? <laughs> so that's like, if that's a real Dublin, that's real something that, you know, my mother would have said, you know, but that's in the script. And she will speak with a Glaswegian accent and she's 1870s, but that would seem real. That's a real thing that probably people did say to each other back then. Why wouldn't they have? So they're the flows of the language that um that I try and instill into my characters, you know? It comes from me first and then then we try and cover it up, you know? And then the actors then the actors make it their own, you know? Okay, so I'm, I, as just that's my background. I have such a focus on it that I, I could spend literally the entire time that we're talking on that. But no, I'm going to go on um, to the shoot uh, next of all. So what was it like shooting? Because you do have violence, horseback riding, children, boats, water fishing you have everything that yeah probably a nightmare to shoot with how did you wrangle everything no we just had a great we had great team of people you know um we just really did look we we looked out and the locals down there were brilliant and i really felt supported the whole time i never felt it was a struggle or it was hard i mean it was we weren't sitting around like drinking coffee i mean it was manic and every night i had to rewrite scenes because things were being weather and the weather was mental. There was four storms with names blew through the blew through where we were over the course of the 20 days that we had, you know, 20 day shoot. It was four weeks in total. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it was it, look, I don't remember being hard at all. You know, um, people tell me it was hard afterwards, but I don't remember it being difficult. I remember just being a joy. I mean, you're with brilliant people, brilliantly talented and you're bringing your words to life. I mean, to me, it was just amazing, you know. Um, and yeah, we just had a great team and we got on with it. And, you know, if, th- if we were told that on the Tuesday that you can't do that, Tom, because of insurance, then because you're because because I'm a writer, I was able to go home that night and go, OK, OK, how do we get this beat into the film some other way? OK, that scene. OK, we can put that in there. She can say that in that scene instead. And that's a, it was a lovely way to work. And it's funny, I was watching them. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, I think, uh, doing the in the documentary Heart of Darkness, you know, where he he he's it's about the 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 um, apocalypse now, and he's on set all the time typing, and 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 he's typing all the time, and then I watch a documentary with them on The Shining, and every night he's typing, and and no, sorry, this is Kubrick, same thing, he had his little typewriter out every night, and he's typing, and he's giving new pages, and I I love working like that, um, because it's it's kind of a holistic and and a full rounded way, and you're moving with it. You're moving with it, you know, you're not going, no, this is the script. If we can't do this, I mean, you're kind of saying, okay, that's fine. We'll do something else, you know, we'll make it work some other way. And a lot of the time, the other way, if you're, if you give yourself to it, ends up being better than, than what you had come up with originally, you know. Sounds very, very immersive. If you have your songs there, I'd say that's a schedule. Um, so you were before this, you had directed, I think, a TV series as well, but it would be someone else's. I presume there's a very different the vibe if you're doing like a feature film to a television series. Is a television series a little bit more like not nine to five because all filming is quite grueling time wise. But is it just more regulated? And do you get as much of a say if it's not if you haven't written the project? If that I makes suppose sense. it depends on the project. I mean, I haven't worked. I haven't worked for a big TV series or anything where, you know, the scripts have been, have been, are, you know, I know if you're working for a broadcaster like RT, well, I, I, I knew when I was an actor, I remember this, that you couldn't change any lines. Even the actors weren't allowed to change lines. They were, they just had to say the lines. Um, 
because the because the broadcaster would come down on the production company. This is what we okayed, and you know. So I've never worked as a director in those in that atmosphere. The TV show I did was a friend of mine had written it, so he was very open to changing. He was like, "Yeah, whatever you want to do, just do it." So I don't know what it's like. Thirty minute episodes, which is a lot to get yeah. through as well. Yeah. I'm sure. And it worked out really well. That was Fear Bullock we did for T.G. Cahar. It was kind of a comedy. Not a lot of people saw that, but it's really good. It's a really good show. I loved and the that, premise of it when I was doing my research for that. I was like, oh, my God, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think it's such a shame. And I think T.G. Cahar are doing such amazing programming. And they're, they're really doing things that are outside the box. And I think for a lot of us, we tend just to miss it. Like, I think even their social media and is 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 brilliant like they're mm. so entertaining i just followed them on twitter for the crack like they're, yeah, no, they're great. no i don't, don't speak irish uh but... they really are and um yeah and there's such a potential with the language there you know such a potential to do incredible things i mean like i find uh working through irish and writing and and you know right adapting the script uh in irish it's a massive it's a massive cultural well and and it's something that i think you know more filmmakers should should embrace um even ones that don't have a relationship with the irish language um and i you know i would liken it to you know the scandi noir and everything that's happening in and obviously great european and foreign language film i just think there's a huge huge mine of 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 great drama to be tapped um in the language and I think this is just the beginning. I really hope this is just the beginning and that, you know, we see more, more good films coming out. Well, sure, you brought Irish to the Oscars. Yes, we did. You I don't did? Think that's been done before. Yeah. Did you get to go? Was it fun? Oh, God, no, I didn't. Should have, we didn't go anywhere. That's the awful thing about what happened to us was when the, when the pandemic came down, it was just, Arath was just starting its festival run. And it did all the festivals, but I was in my bedroom on a, on a Zoom. I didn't get to go to Sicily. I didn't get to go to France. I didn't get to go to America. I didn't get to, like, I was looking forward to that. Um, but I didn't get to do any of that. So that was a bit depressing. Uh, so the release is really great because I, I get to go down to Galway next Wednesday for a Q&A. That's the most exciting thing that's, gonna, that's happened to me in the last two years, really. You know, Well, other than the fact that we had a baby and all that kind of stuff <laughs> that was pretty exciting to do but, but in terms yeah, of the film, I was going to say don't tell yeah. your partner like that. <laughs> no but like in terms trouble. of getting to go anywhere uh, Galway is the highlight really you know yeah I did want to say I'm sure you might be going over to America soon will you for the I heard there's going to be an American remake or is that in the yeah, works so, at least so that's so that's interesting they um yeah the, it's a it's a great group of group of guys a guy called greg shapiro um who who produced the hurt locker um and these are real people you know you talk to a lot of when you're doing this kind of stuff you talk to a lot of people who are you know not real but greg shapiro is real like he's i had one chat with him um over all this um on zoom and just the name drops was just fantastic like the stuff he was the people he just knows you know people who would be your you know, P.T. Anderson and just like people you would just like die if you met, you know, um, and he just knows them. they're his mates, you know, he can pick up the phone and ring these guys. So that was incredible just to talk to him for an hour, you know, um, but they're going to do something with it. Yeah. Um, the way these things work is they, they option it um, and then they see, can they work it out? You know, they see, can they see, can they work, work, work some kind of version of your film um, and then 
they start to attach and see if it works. And then if it goes into production, then it, that's when it, I suppose it gets exciting. But I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if I will have any input. I'm certainly don't have any input into the script writing part of it because I mean, with these guys, they've got three script writers, top Hollywood script writers that they work with and nobody else, you know? And so that's the level they're at. Like they're not, you know, maybe they'll bring me on as a consultant. That would be nice. But uh, I don't think so because even what he was saying was they're not doing a famine thing. They're going to set it in America and it's going to be some kind of emigration story or, but they're going to use the beats of the film. They love the beats and they love the way the film was told. And they're big fans of the movie, big fans, which was really exciting and amazing. You know, the fact that somebody, people at that level watch your film and get, are excited about it and love the way you did what you did you know, um, is a real, just a, just a real, like, unprecedented uh, uh, shock and, 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 and a lovely thing to happen. Because it's incredibly powerful. Like, I'm not surprised. I love even how episodic it is, you know, and, and how the sequences have such a different feel to them like it is it is super duper powerful okay so I'm so much I'm not, I'm not even going to go into that my my spiel about how much I loved it but I did like this was just it was so good oh, um, but I do want to talk about the edit so again you said you had a 75 page script it is an 85 minute or 83 minutes film in total and again I think it's the production value is stunning the pacing is great like again you have these significant shifts the whole way along. It's scored beautifully. Um, and I'm, I just wanted to, like, did anything change in that process? Oh, yeah. The edit, um, I mean, there was a lot of scenes that we shot that we got everything and we were, we were, we were sorted. But, but, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of issues around um, the beginning of the film. Um, my dad died see, two days before we finished shooting. So I had to, and then we were shooting all the opening sequence. Um, so I had to go to Dublin and be by his bedside. And then I'm I sorry. came back. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, but um, we got back when I got I got back for maybe a day. And so that was problematic because we because it was very strange then getting into the edit and, and seeing kind of, you know, the whole opening sequence on, like on the island, the putching brewing him coming onto the, the, the pier. That was shot by, I mean, that was directed by um, another director. Um, and that was very difficult for me because, I mean, I think it was also, you know, it was also, you know, wrapped up in the whole grieving thing. And, and I went into the edit, like, in, in, in my grieving stage, like my, my father had died like a month earlier and I started to edit the film. Um, so, yeah, it was a very dark, it was winter, it was a very dark time. And um, There's tough themes in that film Yeah. to watch very tough thing if you're going through yeah, it was that. really hard and and I, I felt my confidence got knocked as well by just by the whole process and because you know when a parent dies like well if if you don't you will um <laughs> it pulls it pulls the car it pulls the rug out from under you as a person because you start to question lots of things about yourself and I think the edit um I had Mary Crumbler she was a friend of mine and she 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 was cutting it with me and thank God for her because she kind of looked after me. Now, I began to kind of get my strength back after Christmas. So things began to get better then. And I started to believe in what I was doing again, you know, but there was a lot of faltering. And um, 
around the beginning of the film, trying to open the film because we didn't get to shoot stuff. The opening sequence was originally supposed to be, it was a, it was a really brilliant opening sequence. It was one of the first things I'd, I'd written about the film that he, he had kind of, he used to bring it, he used to swim into a cave and allow the tide to come up almost to kill himself. And then he'd swim out. And this was a sequence that we were supposed to shoot, but it was one of those things that we just never got to shoot. So we had to come up with a beginning of the film and that's where the poem comes in and and, and we invented a lot of that and um so so we you know they say you write a film three times once on script once on set and then once in the edit so we certainly rewrote a lot of stuff in the edit and we had um we had to really work hard and push hard um to get to where the film is now and uh, i have to give credit to the producer um Cool and McAneil because he did um he stuck with it like you know in fairness to him he did stick with it and a lot of producers wouldn't have they would have they would have said right lads this is it like you know so so that was uh so so it was a difficult that was a difficult time sorry did you shoot the opening sequence afterwards or like no, when you no. were editing it or did you? Like, no, no, we didn't get to do anything. Well, I went off myself and got some pickups myself um, at one point, just little things that I needed. Uh, but we didn't get reshoots, which was a shame. I would have, it would have been great. We just didn't. But then what happened was around about January, which was like about two months into the edit, we got Keela in uh, to start the soundtrack and they kind of just wrapped me in a blanket and brought me into their world of kind of creativity. And, and I started to kind of like, I was like, I would be sitting with them when they were playing music to the screen and they, they'd be saying, Tom, pick up that drum, bang that. And it just was so cathartic for me. And um, I think the film and the edits started to become affected by that and it lifted everything. And um it just it kept getting better and better and better, you know. It taught me an awful lot about editing, actually. Um, that it's about it's about new eyes, it's about new ideas, it's about you know not being too precious, um, but also knowing what you want. And I I was very very sure about pace. I was very very sure about style. I was very very sure about silences. You know, I was very sure about all that. And I think we managed to. And we ended up with a film that, as my editor said at the very end, she said, Tom, against all odds, you've ended up with a film that you want, that you wanted, you know. And uh, that's um, that's a credit to everybody that was involved, yeah. Because it is. Very it morose is. there. I'm sorry about that. Sorry, no. Very morose. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> no, no, it is. But again, like I was saying that that's, it does touch on very dark themes of grieving of loss in the in the film like and I get very it. funny though as well yeah I know <laughs> but there's there's it, there's great moments of of healing and levity and humanity I think which makes it very very watchable throughout but it's yeah but of course it's a film about famine as well it's not gonna there will be difficult themes so I'm not giving too much away there but I I can imagine. No, I don't that think just... it's. I don't think it's maudlin. You know. I no. think the film. The, I think the film. You know. I think it's a real kind of. I would call it more of a thriller almost. You know that yeah. it, it kind of skips along and then this thing happens and then there's a big bang and then there is that moment of grief that happens in the middle of the film, and that you spend time with him and and, and that's a very surreal uh, experience and a very kind of a dark and deep 
place. And I think people respond to that, particularly Irish people, because I think that's in that moment, I think that people make a connection with our history and, and the loss, you know, um, and I think that's really, I think that's what's really important about the film. Um, and I think what, I think it's quite, it's quite an experience. Um, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the film um, because it's all about the elements, the ocean and the loss and this guy on his own and the land and, and he's living in a cave and he's, there's just something very, I don't know, um, very primal about it. And then she comes in and lifts it and it becomes then a kind of a, one of those, um, well, not a buddy movie, but a, it almost becomes like, you know, these, um, these uh, the, the odd couple that come together and she is suddenly in his shit, like, you know, she's in his face and he should, she's living in the cave with him. And he's like, I gotta get rid of this thing. Um, and she's just amazing, you know? So, uh, so, uh, and it's hopeful. And then you also, you know, you also, you know, the darkness comes back, but not in a bad, not in a sad way, but more in a thriller type sense, the murder ballad kind of thing happens. So I think it's, um, I think it's a good L watch, you know? Definitely. No, no. And you're, there's, there's, again, I, I, I have this thing about pacing where I find it very difficult to watch things that are, that are far too slow or that are far too one thing at any point. And I think it just shifts and you spend time with in these kind of quiet moments and it moves on to something that is very powerful and affecting. And then it moves on to something that has a lot of energy and, and even a lot of violence and movement to it. So it's, yeah. it's like, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic watch and I could not recommend it more. So I'm just very conscious of your time. <laughs> so thank, thank you. I'm really enjoying the chat though. First, I just want to say, what has the response been so far? So you've, you've finished your festival run um, you you went from digitally remotely to the to the Oscars. What has the the feedback been from people on the ground? Um, yeah, it's been um, it's been really surprisingly um, positive. You know, there hasn't really been any negative feedback as of yet, um, and that's okay too. Like I don't mind that, but um, yeah, I think people, particularly Irish people, I'm really looking forward to Irish people seeing it. They haven't really seen it. Um, I really think they're going to like it, you know, and, and they're going to get something out of it. Um, but in terms of the foreign, the foreign audiences have been really positive, you know, and we picked up awards and yeah, it's just been really, it's all been good. Like I kind of have to pinch myself a bit because, um, you know, it was a tough, you know, you, you don't know what it's going to be like. Um your first feature is always going to be a challenge. And also, um, you know, the, the, um, the, the subject matter is difficult, but we, I think we got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you certainly did. <laughs> yeah. It has been picking up awards. The, the recent one was Talon. Yeah. It won yeah. in, um, it won. The best one was the Dublin one. It was brilliant. The critics award. That was lovely because, you know, I've read all those those critics. Like, I've got to have a lot of respect for those lads and for them to come out that day. And I had no idea what we'd won. We were just asked to come down. And um, I thought we'd won at, at cinematography or something. And um, no, you won the main prize. And it, that was incredible. And that the same week was just before COVID and all the planes stopped. We stopped getting on planes. Me and Donald flew to Glasgow and it won the audience award in Glasgow which is a big award too, because it's their only award. And um, and that was in the one week. So that was its first, like, 
And honestly, I kind of in my gut knew it was a good movie. You know what I mean? I kind of, I was like, this is good. I always knew it was going to be good. I kind of always knew, you know, um, and I don't, that's not arrogance. I don't know. It's just, I think when you work so hard on a script and then I know I have a good eye for cast and I know, you know, and I think that's, they're the most important things, you know, it's the people in it and what they're saying, you know, and what they're doing. And I think if you get that right. So I had a good feeling about it. Um, so um, the response has been great. Yeah. People have been really like you, you, you no exception. And, the, you know, you, I can tell when you're talking to people that they're not just blowing smoke up your ass, that they're actually saying this time I really loved it. Like I really enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. And I'm say the audiences will as well. So it's in cinemas on the 15th of October. So make sure to get your ticket, support Irish film. You will not be disappointed. And um, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you for the chat. And I hope I didn't go too maudlin on you. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. That okay. was, it was such a, it was such a good film and we're so delighted. And all Great. Thanks so there. much.